If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And I want you to look at, um, I got it on brother. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. I promised myself I was going to preach very brief. Because this morning I preached very long. Uh, some people had to leave even during the service. Because uh, of something that was important. But um, I thank God for you being here this morning in such a precious service. And uh, went over these verses and preached out of these verses. So I'm just going to take the last phrase of verse 6. Let's stay in awe of the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Now, isn't that a miracle? It says, And unto us a son is given. There's the virgin birth, and there's the king of kings being born in the flesh. God in the flesh. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Means he never ceased to be king. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And it says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You may be seated. As I went over this morning how wonderful he is in his birth and how what a supernatural birth it was. It was a virgin birth. And you say, how can that be? Well, that's exactly what Mary asked. But I want to tell you something, folks. Her, her womb became the, the holies of holies and, and the Holy Spirit conceived that, that uh, fleshly body for our God and our Savior. And it's a miracle, just a miracle. And then we see other miracles like all the prophecy that's fulfilled. Being born in Bethlehem, um, 75 miles away from where they lived because of taxation and paying the taxes on their, uh, and they had to go a strange custom. If we did that today, we'd be in trouble. They had to go back to their place of birth and pay the taxes. If we had to do that, we'd be in trouble. And the arrival of the wise man when he was a toddler and he came to the house and they worshipped him as the Magi, and they worshipped him as King of Kings. He was wonderful in his life. He was wonderful in his sovereign nobility that he saved you. He uh, created you, first of all. He saved you, and he sustained you. And if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be here. Amen. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a heartbeat. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a thought. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a step. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a life. Folks, he has brought life into you. He breathed life into you. It's a miracle, the, the life. I was looking at these little babies as we were shaking hands. and What, what, a, what a miracle that is. And then, uh, folks, we see that he was wonderful in his wisdom. He's the counselor. Folks, if you're confused, he is the way. If you need some uh, truth, he is the truth. And I want to tell you something, folks. If you just feel like that life is not worth living, then he is the life. Excuse me. He's a wonderful counselor. Uh, he's available. He comes where you're at. He come to this earth. And folks, he gave great advice to the shepherds. He gave great advice to the wise men. And he gives great advice to you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He's available. Aren't you glad we serve a living God that loved us enough to come to us and make himself available as the wonderful Savior and wonderful counselor. And then he's the mighty God. Folks, I want to tell you something. It is pure pride if you don't think you need help in living. 
You think for a second you can overcome your sin on your own. You got another thought coming. You're weak as water. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. And I want to tell you something. The only way you can make it is through Jesus. Being in union with your creator makes sense. Amen. It's not a dead religion. Religion is man getting to God by his works. But you'll fall short because that ladder does not have a top rung. And folks, relationship is that God came to you and offers himself as a mighty everlasting father. Folks, the Bible says we ought to pray our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Folks, you can't even pray uh, without naming his name. Amen. And I will say this. He's a father that's generous. He's a father that cares. And I'll just say this, everlasting father. He's a father that won't abandon you. You know, there's a lot of fathers that leave their children. There's a lot of fathers that abandon their wives. There's a lot of fathers that are not very good fathers. But I want to tell you something, friend. You take the best father you've ever met and God the Father, the everlasting Father, is far better. That's why I know He won't disown you. That means He'll discipline you because He has a right to because He's the Father. But folks, He's an everlasting, thank God, He's everlasting Father. He's, he, he's there when you need Him. He'll always be there, say amen. He cares enough to be there. He is a Father that will not let His children down. Just come to Him. Offer Him your prayers. He'll answer them if it be his will. But I want to close, and I guess I should have started with that phrase. He's the Prince of Peace. Oh, how we need peace today. Oh, what a crazy world we live in. I'm going to tell you something, friend. This world's gone bananas. You know, I mean, there, there is so much discontentment. Folks, hearts are divided. People are looking for a fight instead of looking for the favor of God. People are disenchanted with each other. One out of two marriages in Dalton, Georgia don't make it. Uh, folks, there's so many children with, uh, that are in orphans, and, and you ought to thank God. And Listen, a lot of you are spoiled rotten, I can tell. No, I can't tell. But uh, uh, like I was, I usually got what I wanted. I mean, I got a red bicycle one time, but my mother held it out on the porch, and I, pa I panicked. I didn't get what I wanted. Now, it wasn't that a spoiled brat. God help me. Then she put a big old basket on me and told me to get, get a paper out. <laughs> I said, glory to God. I got to work for this, for this bicycle. But it was a blessing. My mother worked hard, and she saved money because my daddy lost most of it. He wasn't a gambler. He was a drinker. And I want to tell you something, friend. It's good just to have a home. It's good to have a mama. It's good to have a daddy. So the next time you don't get what you want, think about who you've got as a parent. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. I thank God for my mother. Uh, yes, I probably was a mama's boy. But I want to tell you something. She was mama and daddy to me because she filled the gap until daddy got saved. And folks, I want to tell you something. The Cofield family never had peace. Until Jesus showed up. Never had peace until James Cleveland Cofield got saved. Because he didn't bring the bottles home anymore. He carried his Bible. He didn't hit and cuss us anymore. He told us he loved us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I'm going to tell you something. When the peace speaker moves in, he changes homes. You'll never have peace without Jesus. 
You'll never have a peace country without him. And so, folks, listen, it, does, it doesn't surprise me a bit in Luke chapter 2, as Tanley read so carefully and accurately, and only gave her four hours' notice, maybe six. That was a, I took a lot of nerve. But look at Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace, goodwill towards man. Folks, the first announcement to the scared shepherds was, Hey, glory to God. And on earth, peace, peace. You know why we can have peace? Because He is peace. He is our peace. He's our peace offering. I want you to look at, first of all, how you can have peace. Just a few points. Peace comes through knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 5, please. Romans chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 1. And folks, this is the justification chapter. Some of the greatest verses you can ever read in the book of Romans is chapter 5. It says, therefore being justified by faith. Now the word justified sounded out just if I'd never sinned. And as though I've always been righteous. Folks, I'm justified. I want to tell you what's so wonderful about having peace with God. He don't bring up your sin anymore. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. Folks, I want to tell you something. He bears in the sea of forgetfulness and puts up a sign, no fishing. You want to go th think about it and let it bug you and harm you and destroy your mind because of what you did before you say, then folks, God's saying, hey, listen, I have forgot it. Now, he's not a forgetful God. He just treats you as if it's never happened. That is peace with God. How? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Here it is, through the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says this, By whom also we have access by faith into His grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Now listen, the greatest testimony you have is peace in the midst of the storm. Oh, everybody, th everybody wants you, uh, expects you to rejoice and be glad when you get everything you want for Christmas. But when the bottom falls out, and when people leave you, And when your home gets destroyed, when a loved one dies, you need to know and trust and yield to the peace of God. I'm serious. I'm always tries to be serious when I preach, but I want to tell you something, friend. We seriously need the peace of God when we feel like falling to pieces. We really need the peace of God when we want to have a nervous breakdown. We need to just break down at the altar and say, Lord, I can't handle it. And so, folks, I love these verses where it says we have peace with God, but verse 2 and 3 talks about the peace of God. And, folks, we glory in tribulation. That means, hey, we don't, we don't thank God for the tribulation. We just glory that he doesn't leave us as the everlasting father, that he's the prince of peace, and that he'll make a way. And, folks, we never lose hope, verse 4. And hope maketh not ashamed. Listen to this now. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. And that means we can be a testimony during trials. And when we're yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And scarcely for the righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, 
Some would even dare to die. But listen to this now. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Stop waiting to get good enough to get saved and just get saved and then maybe God will spare your life long enough to bring some goodness to his name. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Now I read all that to get to verse 10, but I was blessed getting there. It says it, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. He covers your sin. Folks, he, he, he is enough. And folks, it, peace comes from knowing Jesus. Peace comes by knowing that you couldn't save yourself, but Jesus made a peace offering. And he offered himself as that offering. And he satisfied the justice of God. The wages of sin is death, and he took your death. He took your hell. He took your, your sin debt and paid it all. And that gives me great peace. Because I am not no longer alienated from God. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I'm his child. I'm justified. I'm satisfied. I'm thrilled, filled, and satisfied. And folks, I want to tell you something. The holy discontentment in your life is a rebuke against the peace of God. We ought to be content. We ought to be thanking God for all things that's happened in our life this year. And folks, it's only by the grace of God that you made it through. Some of you came close to falling apart. Some of you came close to despair. Some of you came close to total depression. But God, God came through. And don't you ever forget it, please, because I'm going to tell you something. God wants you to praise him for what he did in your life. He wants you to praise him because I'm going to tell you something. If it wasn't for God, you'd not only have a nervous breakdown, you would break down. And God brought you back to him. God restored your soul. And why? How? It was a gift. Turn to John 14, 27. I'm closing. Don't leave. It won't be long. John 14, 27. Look at this. The Bible says this. And I love this verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Thank God for that. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Amen. He started out the chapter. Let not your heart be troubled. There's a heaven. But thank God, friend, he ends the chapter with, let not your heart be troubled. I'll give you peace before you get there. Amen. I'll give you a heavenly joy, heavenly peace, heavenly purpose, and heavenly power by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of peace. So, folks, anytime you lose peace and you don't have peace, you're yielded to the flesh and not to the spirit. There's a, there's a choice in every decision. In every trial, in every tribulation, in every temptation, either yield to the spirit or yield to the flesh. But if you yield to the flesh, you'll have no peace. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Amen. That's umpire. You're out. And I want to tell you something. You start losing peace, you're out of the will of God. Amen. Now, I'm not trying to be hard-hearted. Uh, I've cried a bucket of tears over problems and trials. 
I've wringed my hands and said, I don't know if I'm even uh, uh, doing this thing right. Whine to my wife. She always says, grow up. No, she always says, draw upon the peace of God. And that's what I need. That's what you need. And folks, listen, we're all human. We're all weak. We're all wilting. Thank God for his peace. How many of you can testify tonight, if it wasn't for the peace of God, I wouldn't have made it. My heart was wrenched. My heart was broken. I was full of fear. I was full of of, uh, anticipation of the worst. Aren't we negative people, praise God? We're always going to expect the very worst. Amen. That's right. You know, oh, this is it. You know, it's over. But Jesus left us a gift. I told somebody uh, that was facing the book that uh, I was going to give a gift to every person here, and this is the gift that I want to give you, but I can't give it. It's the peace of God. It's the greatest Christmas gift that you could ever receive. But you already have him. He is your peace. But the thing is, are you yielded to it? Are you yielded to it? Folks, listen, victory was won at Calvary. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. I've got to read this and we'll go. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 20 and 21, and these are powerful verses. You ought to look at them, circle them, and circle them in red. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 20, Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Amen. Having made that listen, I don't even shout and I feel like shouting right now. Amen. I'm not even Presbyterian, but I feel like having a running spell. But Brother Paul, by the time I got to you, I'd be out of breath. <laughs> Come on, say amen right back there. Thank God you're here tonight. It says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled amen we were enemies the Bible says we were dead in our sins and trespasses we were alienated there was no way to get back to God but Jesus became our peace offering. And he reconciled us. Isn't that wonderful? I belong to him. He belongs to me. He's my everlasting father. He's my counselor. He's my wonderful savior. But thank God he's my prince of peace. And folks, there is no peace to the wicked. Back to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22, the prophet said this for 800 years, 700 years, excuse me, before Jesus came. Isaiah 48, verse 22. Let me just read you a couple more verses. Peace, wonderful peace, flowing from the throne of God. Nothing like it, nothing like it. Chapter 48, the last verse of the chapter, verse 22. And there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. First of all, there's peace that comes through knowing God, but there's peace comes through being right with God and others. Have you ever offended someone and you knew you offended them and you was just mean, mad, and sad? Come on, say amen. I mean, you slapped them, they didn't even realize they got slapped so hard. I mean, you just had some hate and animosity, bitterness. How'd you feel? There wasn't no peace there if you were saved. There's no peace there if you had if you don't have a right relationship with others, and you're not right with God, the umpire says you're out. 
the peace of God ruling in your heart. And folks, I want to tell you something. God did not call us to live in animosity and trial and turmoil. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I'm not there yet. I get offended pretty easy. I, I, I spend hours and hours and hours preparing for sermons and I look out and some people look like they're just bored. Sometimes that offends me. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm human. I just like somebody to look like they're interested. Then I like some people to show up and not put other things before God. And I know that I shouldn't do that. And I want to apologize publicly. Sometimes that bugs me. That bothers me because I'm human. So you Sunday school teachers, you stand up and everybody starts snoring in unison. See how you feel. Yeah. I pray it happens. No, not really. But I, 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 listen, folks, listen. I can't go on with animosity in my heart. I cannot, I cannot pastor 40 years, almost 41 now, in the same place and get bitter and get touchy and think, oh, they don't like me. You probably don't. But praise God, I'll try to make you like me because I love you. But I want to tell you something, folks. Peace comes from being right with God but right with others. It's the peace of God and the will of God. The will of God. You know, I, I just thank God I don't have to worry about the will of God. It's the Word of God. And folks, 40 years ago, my wife was probably worried when we moved here in a cattle truck, everything we owned, didn't, didn't know a soul in this town. And even my, my daddy said, are you sure, son? I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I want to be sure. If you keep talking, I won't be too sure. <laughs> Scared to death. 27 years old, never pastored a day in my life. Always sent under a great man of God and let him catch the flack. <laughs> Weep while people walk out on us. See a church divided, almost go under financially. And I came here and God gave Connie and I peace up there in that mountain. And we looked out over the lights. And maybe saw your home. And God gave me peace that I was in the perfect will of God. There's nothing like it. Folks, if you're not in the will of God, something, something's wrong. You have peace by being right with God. And right in the middle of where God wants you. And the peace of God will, is a gift from God. It's a legacy from God. He gives it to you through the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to unwrap it, take it, and wear it. Hallelujah. Isn't it great to get something that just fits good? Amen. I never can... I never can get anything that fits right. Think about the take up suspenders, praise God. No. Oh, I hope not. Say amen, Brother Jack. But I want to tell you this, friend. I know she wore them. But uh, it's great to fit right in God's will. It's great to have a gift like peace that just fits us. That's Hey, it's guaranteed. You won't have to take it back, and it never wears out. That's a pretty good gift. Say amen. Half stuff y'all got won't last till June. <laughs> Come on, say amen. I used to buy a lot of toys with my kids, and I'd tell you they'd wreck them time, time the sun set on Christmas Day. I said, what am I doing? Should have just gave them that box they like so much. Amen or whatever. It's a perfect gift. The peace of God. But you got to unwrap it and you got to yield to it 
And you got to let him be who he is through you and be full of the Holy Spirit. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're not falling apart. You're just set apart for his glory. And have the peace of God. I mean, know you're in the will of God, say amen. And by the way, you're in the will of God being here because this is your church tonight. The peace of God will heal your deepest hurts. The peace of God will help you in your greatest disappointments. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. That's come to you and offered himself and took your hell and defeated Satan. I tell you what, he slaps you around, tries to get you to fall apart and get depressed. You ought to, say, you ought to tell the devil, I'm full of God's peace. I have the peace of God, I'm in the will of God, and get behind me, Satan. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. When you draw nigh to God, you'll find him the Prince of Peace. Folks, what we need today is a testimony of the love of God shed abroad is the peace of God. And then peace comes through right priorities. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Everybody likes to claim this verse out of context. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's a, there's a price for the peace of God. You put other things before God or other people before God, you're going to lose your peace if you're saved. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Be careful for nothing. You know what that means in modern-day terminology? Don't worry about a thing. Amen? How many of you ever worried about something? Raise your hand. Especially if you come to the altar for lying. We all worry, but we, we're spiritual. We say, no, I was just wholly concerned. Oh, you was worried. Come on, just get honest. You was worried about your kids. You was worried about this. You were worried about that. You worried about your mother. You worried about your father. You worried about the, about the dog out back. Say amen. I got a new dog, but I'm going to give it away in two days. Amen. <laughs> Folks, I'll tell you what. He ain't got nothing to worry about except four grandkids that will probably kill him. But, uh, you know, thank God, especially one of them. But uh, thank God for the peace that comes in right priorities. Look at this. Be careful of nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, here it is now, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. When's the last time you praised him? Well, if it's been a long time, you're not full of peace. And when the devil comes and tries to rob you of the peace of God, you ought to start praising him. I'm not a charismatic, and I'm not a son of one, but praise God, I'm, I guarantee you this, I'm scriptural when it comes to saying you ought to praise God for all things. And you ought to praise him in prayer. And you ought to praise him after you pray that he's going to answer it. That's faith, and don't, if you don't believe that, you won't get nothing from God anyway. But here it is, and the peace of God, not peace with God, but the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep, garrison, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Woo, that's powerful. But folks, here's the priority of it. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Verse 8, whatsoever things are honest. This ought to be over every TV. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think 
on the throne. You can't have the peace of God and have ungodly music in your heart. You can't have the peace of God with ungodly literature. You can't have the peace of God with pornography on your computer. Come on, say amen. You'll walk in here and the devil will accuse you of all kinds of stuff, even stuff you hadn't done. If you let the devil get a foothold through bad thinking, unpure thinking, ungodly thinking, folks, garbage in, garbage out. As a man thinketh, so is he. The priority is, folks, we need to guard our minds. We need to guard our heart. We need to guard our heart diligently, seek wisdom, because that's the issue of all life. It says, those things which you have both learned and received, verse 9, and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You hear that? You are out of the will of God. Don't expect the peace of God. Matter of fact, the umpire is saying you're out. You're wrong. You're out of bounds. And folks, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to say it straight. If you sin and you don't have a lack of peace about it, you better check up and make sure you're saved. Because the Holy Spirit will be grieved. He'll be insulted. And he'll be quenched. And you'll feel it. Give no place to the devil. But then it goes on to say, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 31 talks about bitterness and wrath. That's the opposite of tenderheartedness. Anger, opposite of forgiving one another. Clamor, that's loud brawling. I mean, just fussing and fighting. That's the opposite of Christ-like composure. Oh, friend, peace comes through yielding to the Spirit of God. He is peace. So we need to yield every moment of our life Reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin, but yield ourselves as alive unto God. And folks, it's not a matter of wheeling and dealing to get peace. It's a matter of yielding. So folks, peace comes through knowing Jesus. Peace comes through being right with God. Peace comes through the right priorities, the right dependent. Philippians 4, 11 says we ought to be content. Philippians 4, 13 and 19, the right dependence. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So we fall apart and say, I can't handle it, I can't handle it. No, you can't handle it. But God can handle it. Peace. And then peace comes by yielding to the Spirit of God. And when His Spirit is active in your life, He reminds you and makes real who Jesus is. He's the everlasting Father. He's wonderful. He's a counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. And this really to encourage you, he's the coming King. Coming again. It was World War II, and on the forefront of the battle, the Americans were on one side, of course, and here's Germany, both dug in on a cold, cold Christmas Eve. The sun began to set. They dug in after a fierce battle. And on Christmas night, one of the men, a nasal tenor, he began to sing, Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother. 
About that time, we heard in the German language, Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. About that time, both sides got out of their frock coats, started walking around in the middle of the wharf, in the middle of the night, and they sang, Silent Night, Holy Night. Folks, the only thing that brought peace to that battle was when one person decided to get out of the foxhole of fighting and hating his enemy and praise God for being the virgin-born, holy infant, so tender and mild. But then he kept on singing, Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake, at thy side, glorious streams from heaven afar. And then the last of that verse says, Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. They got to the third stanza. I don't know who, who knew the third stanza. Stanza by heart. It says, Silent night, holy night. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from the holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Folks, there's no peace unless he's your Savior. And there is no peace unless he's your Lord. And there is no peace, and you can't even call him Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He makes God real. And He reminds you that God is right. And I love this. He reminds you that God's able. There's something different about we Christians in the world. And it ought to be recognized by the peace of God when everybody else is falling apart. This Christmas season has been hard for some of y'all. You've just lost a daddy. You've just lost a wife, a child. You may have lost your health, you think. But I want to tell you something. You've got every reason to rejoice and not be sad because the Holy Spirit will remind you that He is not that he was, but he is the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful night. I just stood amazed or sat amazed on the front row to hear our choir sing like they did. I'm so thankful for every individual that put hours and hours of practice in. And Lord, the beautiful music from the orchestra and the or organ and the piano. God, just a beautiful selection of songs that glorified and praised your name. But God, thank you for your word. And thank you, dear God, for your peace. Lord, as we close the service by singing that old Christmas song, Silent Night, dear God, remind us. Remind us to be quiet. and Realize you're a holy God. That we can't make it without you. We need your peace. 
with every head bowed, every eye closed, how many say, Brother Wayne, I've made peace with God, but really Jesus has made peace with God, and I accepted the peace that he made. In other words, Calvary's enough, and the blood was enough, and I got saved, 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 past, present, and future tense because of what happened at Calvary.